This is Healthy Together, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org to learn more. And now here's our host, WCBS's Marla Diamond. Carla Voss and Matthew de Oliveira felt blessed. Carla was in her 12th week of pregnancy and everything was going well until a routine ultrasound revealed a life-threatening problem. Being a first-time mom and it's like, wait a minute, I just got pregnant and I had to make a decision of having this child or not. You know, it was very scary. The couple was told their baby had a birth defect with an odd-sounding name. He has an, an, an infallacial and I'm like, so we're just like, well, well, what is this? Welcome to our very first Healthy Together podcast presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. Today, the story of a little boy with a rare birth defect and the doctors and nurses who saved him. So Carla, take us back to that routine screening. So once the doctor came in, she goes, so yeah, there's an issue with the baby's stomach. I was like, okay, what does that mean? So she goes and breaks it down and explains it to us, uh, which was just heartbreaking. I just blacked out. Dad was just listening to everything else that the doctor was saying because you're trying to process all of this, you being pregnant, and then it's like you're hit with this news. So what did the doctor tell you after that? Everything from good to bad news, pros, cons, that babies can be born with Down syndrome. They can have a spinal ambifity, cliff palate. He can have an extra toe or an extra thumb. Oh, and also, uh, usually babies with infallacials also have intestinal problems. The expectant parents soon had a difficult choice to make. But terminating the pregnancy, says Matt, was not an option. I saw Carla's eyes and they were like, you know, she was like crying. And I just looked at her and said, what do you want to do? And, uh. Because, I mean, it was a lot that she hit us with. And uh, I looked at her, and she was crying, and she said, I want the baby. And I said, okay, let's do it. And then I turned to the doctor, and I said, how do we figure out if there's anything wrong with our baby? And I knew that I wanted to have the baby, and I knew she wanted to have the baby, so we were prepared. I just wanted to know what I had to prepare for. So That's why we decided to do all these tests. The first was an amniocentesis to look at the baby's DNA. So we asked to do every single test possible to know if there was any Down syndrome, any extra Y or X chromosome, whatever there was. We wanted to get everything tested. Just to prepare us for what we were in for, you know, because I knew that I wanted to have my son right. no matter what. Because their baby was likely to need several surgeries and be in the neonatal intensive care unit for some time, the Newark couple wanted to remain close to home. Carla and Matt were referred to the pediatric surgery program at Cooperman Barnabas Medical Center, part of the Children's Health Network of RWJ Barnabas Health. It was there they met Dr. Christopher Gitzelman, the chief of pediatric surgery at Cooperman Barnabas Medical Center and interim northern region chief of pediatric surgery. Dr. Gitzelman specializes in the reconstruction of congenital malformations. An omphalocele is relatively rare, but you do see these types of malformations in your, in your NICU. Yes, we do. We do. We do several abdominal wall defect malformations per year. And um, the other form is called gastroschisis, a little different than the omphalocele, but they're both um, abdominal wall defects in, in the newborn, yep. Dr. Gitzelman says every case is different. 
so he likes to meet with parents immediately. If we can talk to them and explain what they're expecting in a, in a reasonable fashion, you know, with scientific evidence and experience that we have, and reassure them that we'll take care of the problem regardless of what it is once the baby's born, that helps them a lot, as opposed to them, you know, going on Google and, and looking up the keywords of these malformations. And unfortunately, I tell them all the same thing. You, you'll probably only find the worst cases and the, the worst outcomes when you Google it because people just don't take the time as much to post good outcomes or, or you know, he had one procedure and, and that took care of it. So I prefer to talk to them as soon as I can. As soon When we get a consult, I try to see the parents within 24 hours just to prevent that from happening. So I'll, I'll give them the information they need. I'll tell them I'll be there when your baby's born. I will see your baby on the day that it's born. I will take a look at the malformation and I will come talk to you and I will give you a plan of what I believe needs to be done. And, and that, I think, is the, the most important thing we can do for these parents because then they understand, you know, they, they know what they're doing. They have a plan. And um, I think that's really what they want to hear. And then they can, you know, enjoy the pregnancy as any other family. The rest of Carla's pregnancy went smoothly. She felt confident enough to have a baby shower. But when she gave birth in March of 2020, there were more complications than first thought. This went from, you know, an omphalocele, which we deal with on a regular basis, to a giant omphalocele, which is a little more difficult to take care of. But then on top of that, he also had multiple intestinal atresias, which makes it very difficult to uh, repair. You're listening to the RWJ Barnabas Healthy Together podcast presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. Go to rwjbh.org. I'm your host, Marla Diamond. Now back to our interview with Dr. Gitzelman, Chief of Pediatric Surgery at Cooperman Barnabas Medical Center. So Liam is born. He goes straight to the NICU. After his first surgery, just days old, how did he do and how many more procedures would he need? Well, he, he, he was stable. He's, he wasn't sick, but these are malformations that, that require, you know, very precise planning of when to do what. And the goal, obviously, is one, to get all of these segments of intestine back in alignment. And then after that, we still need to take care of the absence of the abdominal wall and, and address that and, and close that as well. Liam had his first surgery hours after he was born. The first time Carla and Matt saw him was in the NICU. And it was just heartbroken because he was, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's your child. Whether it's your first child, second child, it, it, I don't think it matters. And he's with all these tubes and everything and wires all over the place that it's like, how can you hold... A, a child like there was no way for us to hold him besides you know we could have touched his little hand and everything but he always seemed like uh he showed like this this like strong person that he was even being that little it, it like it seemed like it wasn't phasing him yeah no it was crazy dr gitzelman performed multiple intricate surgeries and while he works on tiny babies there is an upside you know the benefit of taking care of these kids is that 
their tissue is excellent, right? Their their perfusion, the blood flow, and everything. There's nothing wrong with that. So they they have a tendency to heal very well. If you do the procedures right, they typically heal very well. So we're we're quite fortunate with that part. And it sounds like uh, you had a Liam had a full recovery and had a very good outcome. Yeah, he did. So <clears throat> he had. Um, we had to place an ostomy, which is a temporary opening of the intestine, um, so that he could be fed. And the, the lower part of the intestine were all these small segments where we hooked them back up, and then we did something called refeeding. So we took what came out of this uh, temporary opening, which he had uh, ingested, we collected it in a bag, and then the nurses in the NICU refed it into the lower portion. We do that because we know that the intestine in these babies will will grow in length and in diameter. And typically after three months, you can count on almost a, a, a 100% increase in length and diameter of the intestine. And that's what we were waiting for, and that's why he was there fairly long, for a long time, was because we needed to um, actually grow his intestine which was shorter than it should have been because of the atresias until it gained a sufficient length and capability of sustaining himself. So the the last procedure was hooking up the temporary opening with the rest of the intestine, which we then had conditioned. And uh, from then on, he was self-sufficient. So everything that he ingested then went through all of his intestine which had then grown and was long enough to sustain him. Now, this refeeding is, you know, that's that's a labor-intensive um, uh, procedure, which uh, I have to get a lot of credit to my nurse practitioner, Abby Walsh, and the nurses in, in the NICU, because they are actually bedside and, and do this. Um, so, in, you know, when we're not doing the surgical, when I'm not doing surgical procedures, we round on, on the baby and make sure that everything is going the way we want it to. But in his case, after the first couple of surgeries, uh, then it's all up to the nurses, right, to refeed these juices back into the intestine so it can grow in length. And that is, uh, you know, that's a, a big effort. So they are, they are heavily responsible for the success. The couple relied on their faith. Three weeks after Liam was born, Carla and Matt were finally able to hold him. After seven months, they were finally able to bring him home. Liam will celebrate his second birthday in two months. Oh, my God, he's like a regular kid, nonstop. Nothing stops Liam. Yeah, there's not even words. I mean, I wish I could just show you guys, like, videos, because he's just, he's a monster. Liam, the infallacio or anything that he has been through within those seven months that he was in the NICU um, shows that nothing phases him. He's like a regular kid. He still has that little bump on his belly because only with time that it's going to go down. Um, so it looks like he just has like a ball protruding out and um, he'll want to climb the couches, pick up toys that are heavier than him or bigger than him and yeah, uh, runs around, wants to do everything like any normal other kid would do. For the final word, Dr. Gitzelman. 
on Liam's long-term prognosis. Will Liam have any long-term effects from from this condition? So the 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 fantastic news is that you know and this is the best part of my profession is when these kids come back and see me as an outpatient in clinic and we can actually take a look at them and evaluate them and the amazing thing is that he is meeting all of his milestones just like any other child with of comparable age which is amazing number one he has no issues with feeding he's tolerating everything that he eats despite having these very complicated malformations of the intestine he his abdominal wall is not is closed but it is still very soft so usually I will have to take these uh, patients back when they're around three years old to do a final reconstruction of the abdominal wall with all the muscles and everything. So that is still something that he will need to have done when he's roughly around three years old. That's the best time to do this. But for now, he's doing great. You, could, you couldn't tell that uh, he had gone through you know, all those procedures, all that time in the NICU. If you see this kid, you wouldn't believe it. Thanks for listening to Healthy Together. I'm Marla Diamond. Join us again in two weeks when we meet an RWJ Barnabas nurse who donated a kidney and inspired others to do the same. You've been listening to the RWJ Barnabas Health Healthy Together podcast, brought to you by RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Visit them and learn more at rwjbh.org.